Well, good morning. If you have your Bible today, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I want you to know that what God can do, what God desires to do, and what God will do in the lives of his faithful children is amazing. God is so good, and he is so kind, and he is so wonderful that when he leaves his fingerprints in our lives, we're blessed by that. And I want to show you that this morning from a passage of Scripture here in Galatians chapter 5. We've been working our way through Galatians now for a number of weeks. We come today to verses 22 and 23, and here's my hope. I don't know if you've ever watched a cooking show or a grilling show on television, uh, but they get to the end of the show and they present the food that they've prepared, and you just think, wow, I'm hungry. I have got to have some of that. Well, as, as, as we present this truth, uh, as we see God present this truth in this passage, I, I think what God wants is that we would have that kind of hunger and thirst uh, for what he, what he offers us here. It's, uh, it, it certainly is an amazing thing. So look with me, Galatians chapter 5, just two verses, verse 22, verse 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it says, the law is not against such things. It's a pretty familiar passage of Scripture, probably to many of you, maybe not everybody. Uh, this is a passage that Christians love to quote. Uh, but I'm afraid it's a passage that we really miss the, the full meaning of as we as we quote this, have you ever heard the idiom uh, that she can't see the forest for the trees? And what we mean by that idiom is that sometimes we look so hard at the details of something that we miss the big picture. And I think that's exactly what happens with this, with this passage. We, we look at the fruit. We look at the nine characteristics of the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. Many of you could quote all nine of them. And we focus so much on those nine that we really miss the, the main message, the big picture here in this passage. And while the fruit is important, the characteristics of the fruit is important, I think there's something more important in this passage. And, and that's where I want to draw your attention today. And I think, as I said, this is super encouraging. This is life-changing if we can see the big picture of Galatians 5, 22 and 23. So it's going to be a simple message this morning, nothing complicated. Uh, I, I just want to draw four observations about these two verses, and they're observations that we generally uh, skip over. So the first one is this. The fruit of the Spirit describes the ideal life. This is, this is the life that everybody wants to live. This would be the perfect life. If you could... If you could live a life and it were perfectly described by a life of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness, if that perfectly described your life, you would be living the perfect life. I think one way to see that this is true is to look at not just the nine characteristics, but the opposite of the nine characteristics. Because when you see the opposite, I just think it makes it more dramatic, and, and it's, 
it's easier to see that this is, in fact, the ideal life. So the first characteristic is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, what is the opposite of love? Well, in this context, the opposite of love is strife. So you can have relationships filled with love and harmony, or you can have your relationships filled with strife. Uh, the next fruit of the Spirit characteristic uh, is joy. What is the opposite of joy? Well, if joy is having a certain level of happiness that is not connected with circumstances, then the opposite of that would be depression. Because depression is having a sadness that's not necessarily connected to the circumstances of life. So joy, depression. The next one is peace. What is the opposite of peace? If, if peace is laying your head on the pillow at night in perfect peace, trusting the Lord, what is the opposite of that? Stress, being stressed out all the time about everything. The next one is patience. What's the opposite of patience? The opposite of patience would be anxiety, that you're worried all the time. You're not patient for things to happen. You're, you're anxious about things. And I won't go through all of these. You, you could do this on your own. I think the opposite of gentleness would be insensitivity. You know, some people are gentle with the people around them. Some people are just very insensitive. The opposite of self-control would be laziness or recklessness. So you see when you look at the fruit, you have these nine characteristics, and then you look at the opposite of those. I think it's clear that the nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit describe the perfect life. So you tell me, which life would you like to live? One filled with love and harmony, with unwavering joy, and with perfect peace? Or would you rather live the life filled with strife and anger and depression and debilitating stress? And that's not a hard question. How do you want people to describe you? Do you want people, when they talk about you and you're not around, do you want them to say that he's a person with a winsome spirit and deep kindness? Or do you want them to say behind your back that you are crabby and miserable? Uh, well, the fruit of the Spirit. That's the life that everybody wants to live. How do you want your spouse to describe you? How do you want your family, your pastor, your acquaintances? Well, you want them to say that the fruit of the Spirit characterizes your life because this is the ideal life. Now, you see that further if you look at the end of verse 23. There's a sentence here that, frankly, we skip over when we teach this passage most often, but it's important. It says, the law is not against such things. I was reading one scholar, one Bible scholar this week who said that that meant that not even the unbelievers would pass a law against this. Everybody wants the fruit of the Spirit. This is what rich people want. This is what poor people want. This is what older people want. This is what younger people want. And interestingly, this is what believers want in life. But this is also what unbelievers want. Even someone who would reject almost everything we might talk about in the Bible, they still want a life characterized by love in their relationships and joy in their heart and peace when they go to bed at night and patience when difficult times come and self-control. This is what everybody wants. And that's important. 
As we develop this, as, as we go through this outline, we must start there. This describes the perfect life. Now, the second observation I want to draw is this. The only source of the fruit of the Spirit is the Lord. Now, look at verse 20, 22. The most important word in this whole passage is the shortest word. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and it lists these nine characteristics. But I think the important part of that is that little word of, the fruit of the Spirit. That's a genitive preposition. It tells us that the Spirit is the source of the fruit. The Spirit is the owner of the fruit. The Spirit is the controller of the fruit. The fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, the fruit comes only from the Spirit. If you want to see this even more clearly, back up to verse 19. Now, what you may not know is where we are, verses 22 and 23, is really the second part of a two-part statement that Paul is making here in Galatians 5. The first part that we looked at in a previous sermon is verse 19, and it says this, now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, he lists some sins. But the key word, again, is the word of. He says, the works of the flesh. The things that come from me, sin. The things that come from the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. I am the source of sin. The Spirit is the source and the only source of the, of the fruit that, that we all so, so badly desire. So... To understand that fully, let me look at it from a couple of different perspectives. And you'll see this in your outline. First of all, nothing from any other source will ultimately satisfy. So people know that they have a need for love, joy, peace, patience. But oftentimes, instead of turning to the Lord for that, we turn to a thousand other things. We try to manufacture the fruit of the Spirit. But you can't manufacture fruit. Uh, fruit only comes one way. I don't know if you're old enough to have tasted this beverage, uh, but when I was a kid, uh, my mom would buy me something called Tang, uh, T-A-N-G. And it was advertised as artificial orange juice. And I knew even as a kid, it was a pretty pathetic example of orange juice. Uh, and the truth is, no matter how fancy chemistry or science may become, they just can't manufacture fruit. Fruit comes from fruit. Fruit is fruit. Now, spiritual fruit, the same thing. It only comes from the Lord. So we can search high and low for something that might bring us love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. But if we're not searching with the Lord, we will ultimately not be satisfied. Let me give you just some examples of, of some things that people look to for, uh, for this satisfaction, and they fail to find it in these. But let me just give you three examples. Sometimes people will search for this satisfaction in relationships. Now, nothing wrong with relationships. Relationships are good. I'm glad I'm married. I, I uh, benefit from my marriage. I, uh, I experience happiness because of my marriage. But your marriage... Some man or some woman cannot ultimately 
bring you joy or peace or patience or any of these other things. I think too often, especially young people, they, they recognize this hollowness in life, this need for spiritual fruit, and they think that they can find their answer in some man or some woman I think that's why a lot of relationships flame out after a few years because people realize that nobody can bring that kind of satisfaction but the Lord, but the Lord. I'll tell you another place that people often look, and that's, that's to drugs, uh, sometimes to illegal drugs, and of course that is wrong, uh, sometimes to prescription drugs, and prescription drugs can be very helpful things, uh, treating uh, mental illness or emotional strain, and I'm thankful that we have doctors that we can go to that can give us uh, wise counsel about those things. Uh, but let me just talk to you as, you, as your pastor for a moment. Uh, a, a, a drug rightly prescribed by a physician uh, may be able to take the edge off your stress. And you may need that, but it will not give you peace. No drug can give peace. A, a, a medication may be able to dampen the pain of depression, and you may need that. But no medication will bring you joy. Ultimately, these things can only be found from the Spirit. Just quickly, a, a third thing that people turn to is just sin. Sin in, in, in a thousand different forms. Uh, when we struggle with depression or loneliness or when we struggle with a lack of purpose or, or we're struggling with guilt, oftentimes we'll turn to sin because it helps us to escape. It distracts us from the fact that we are deficient in these, in these fruits, in these fruit characteristics. Uh, but the truth is that no sin will ever reduce strife or depression or stress or anxiety. No sin will ever ultimately bring you love, joy, peace, patience, or any of these characteristics. The only way to have these things is to turn to the Spirit of God. And any strategy we have in life to experience joy and peace that does not involve drawing nearer to the Lord will ultimately not satisfy. Now, we're talking about the fact that the that the only source of the fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit. But I want us to see it from a different perspective. We've looked at one perspective. Anything from any other source will not ultimately satisfy. But listen to this. You see this in your outline. There is a passive nature to obtaining the fruit of the Spirit. Now, hang with me for just a moment. If you're a gardener, you know this, or you know this whether you're a gardener or not. You can't actually make fruit grow. Uh, you don't grow the fruit. Uh, your role in the fruit growing is pretty passive. Now, you can create a healthy environment for the fruit to grow. You can put fertilizer in the soil. You can water the soil. Uh, you can remove some obstacles. Maybe you pull some weeds or something. So you can create an optimum environment, but you don't actually make the fruit grow. You, your role there is pretty is pretty passive. Now the same thing is true with the fruit of the Spirit. You can't force this fruit in your life. This is not about making a decision, I'm going to be more self-controlled, or I'm going to be more patient next week, or I'm going to be more peace, filled with peace next week, or I'm going to be kinder next week. No, this is not something that you can muster up. That would be 
the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You're, you're, you have a pretty passive role in this. Now, we're going to see in just a moment there's something you can do to create a healthy environment so the fruit will grow. But, but this isn't a commitment you need to make. This is a healthy environment you need to create. It's, it's probably the best way to say that. In fact, I cringe a little bit when I, when I see pastors who will take these nine characteristics and use this as the basis of a nine-part sermon series uh, on the fruit of the Spirit. And I actually read a couple of those sermon series this week from, from other pastors, very respected men that probably know way more about the Bible than I do. Uh, and, and they were good sermons, and they were rightly preached, rightly written. There was nothing uh, incorrect that I saw in the sermons. But I think that misses the point. If you go through these nine fruits one at a time and you say, try harder to do this and try harder to do that and try harder to do this other thing, you miss the point that, no, this is something that the Spirit bears in our lives. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the ideal life. It comes from the Spirit. Now, here's what I'm, I'm hoping you're thinking. Well, then, Pastor, what can I do? What can I do? I want the fruit. It is the perfect life. But you're telling me I can't commit enough to have the fruit, so what do I do? Well, glad you asked. Number three, the fruit of the Spirit ripens gradually through cultivation. Now, let's go go back to being a farmer for a moment, a gardener for a moment. If you want to grow some strawberries, uh, let's, let's think through the steps. Let's think through the steps. First, you're going to plant some seeds. Uh, now, I think actually with strawberries, you usually buy little strawberry plants, but somebody planted some seeds, right? It started with a seed. So you plant some seeds, and then you make the soil ideal. Uh, you add some fertilizer, you water it, you... Um, you keep the birds away and the bugs away. And if you do those things, if you create the perfect environment and you've got good seed, then you will grow some healthy, delicious strawberries. Uh, you don't grow them. You, would, you created the environment and God grew some healthy, delicious uh, strawberries. Now, the same process uh, applies if we want to experience the fruit of the Spirit. First, you have to start with the right seed, which here would be the, the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and God's seed is good. If, if you've put your trust in Jesus, now it's important you understand this, because so many lost people are frustrated that they don't have love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and they're not ever going to have that, because it comes only from the Spirit. But if you recognize that you're guilty of sin, and your only hope because that sin separates you from God. The only hope is that Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sins. And you surrender your life to him and you trust him. Then he puts the Holy Spirit, we've seen this in, in recent weeks in the book of Galatians, he puts the Holy Spirit in your heart, he forgives you of your sins, and that becomes the seed so that the fruit can grow. So it starts with the seed. But then, it, then you have to cultivate. So you'll see this in your outline. Let's talk about how to cultivate your life so that God will grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life. First of all, this is very simple, you must be connected to the nutrients needed for growth. If, if, the, if the fruit is going to grow, it's going to have to have the nutrients. There's a reason why 
the Holy Spirit chose to use this illustration of fruit. He's trying to teach us something. Fruit needs nutrients. It needs the sap. It needs the fertilizer. And so for us to experience the fruit of the Spirit, we have to be connected in such a way that we will we'll have the nutrients for the fruit. I think the best place to see this is in John chapter 15. And you don't have to turn there. I'm going to show this to you on the screen. But let me just, let me just read uh, a verse, I think, that illustrates this well. Jesus is, is he's giving a parable. He's, he's talking about growing grapes. It's a different fruit. But he's talking about a vine and branches. Let me just read the verse and I'll explain Jesus says, remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Now your Bible may say abide in me instead of remain in me, same, same idea. What he says here is that if you're growing grapes, the branch is not going to grow grapes unless it is connected to the vine. We need to be connected to the Lord if we're going to have the environment where God can grow fruit in our lives. You can be a Christian and not have any of the spiritual fruit. I believe there's some Christians whose lives are filled with strife and filled with depression and filled with stress. There are some Christians that are, that are crabby to the core because they, have, they don't have sufficient connection to, to the Lord for, for the fruit to grow in their lives. You must be connected to have the nutrients and the spirit grow the fruit in you. Now let me tell you how to be connected just, just quickly. I think the first way is, is just to be in your Bible every day, to be reading your Bible. And, uh, don't, and don't just read it to say that you've read it, but, but, but mull over it, chew on it, meditate on it. Uh, and and as, you, as you read the Bible, God's word, that's a way you're connected with God. And through that, he will grow spiritual fruit in your life. Uh, we provide the church a, a, a Bible assignment every day and some questions. And, and you can find these on our website. Even though we're not meeting here to pass these out in our worship guide, they're still there uh, every day. And we're posting them on social media as well every day. Uh, this last Monday it was uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, and I was reading, and I came to verse 3, and I, I don't remember exactly what it said, but it, the, the spirit of it is this. Uh, Peter said, we've lived like the unbelievers enough, and that really struck me. And so I spent some time that morning just thinking about enough. In what ways am I living like an unbeliever enough and I need to stop? In, in what ways is, is my life uh, too much like the life of an unbeliever? In what ways am I thinking like that and my, my panic over this virus? And, and, and so I, I mulled over that and I prayed about that. And, and so God, I think, brought some spiritual fruit in my life be, because I was connected with him through his word. I'm reading through the Bible in, in a year this year, and I was in this week in Joshua, I'm sorry, Judges chapter 8, verse 27, and, and this is the story of Gideon, and, and, and in that verse it says that uh, Gideon's idolatry, his sin, became a snare for himself and his family. Oh, boy, that, when I read that, I, the Lord just stopped me. 
And I thought, well, what kind of sin in my life is, has become a snare for me and my family? And, and I spent time with the Lord. So the, the, first, the first way that we connect with the vine, that we uh, are connected with him, is reading our Bible. The second way, I think, is, is to pray. Is to pray, 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 pray. That, that should just... That, that should be the, the breath of a Christian. We should be constantly praying. And then I think to be connected to a church, uh, to be a part of worship so that we hear God's word taught. We're singing together with the family of God. And I know things work a little differently right now in this environment, but that's still a commitment that we all must be focused on. And, and, and so through these three things and other things, we must be connected to the nutrients needed for growth so that we can grow. And then the second thing is we must stay connected to the source of growth. Let me read one more verse from John 15. He goes on in verse 5 to say, I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. So the one who stays will produce much fruit. He goes on to say, because you can do nothing without me. So you're not going to read your Bible tomorrow and be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. But if you read your Bible the next day and the next day and you pray the next day and the next day and you link arms with other believers in the church, over time, you're going to grow the fruit of the Spirit. You, you, don't, you don't plant strawberries or, or grapes in this case and, and you have fruit overnight. But, but if you continue to cultivate those plants, eventually you will have the fruit. Let me say something that it's probably dangerous for me to say, but I... But I really want you to get this. So often people come to me because they're concerned that they don't read their Bible the right way. They, they come and say, Pastor, could you give me strategies or help so that I would be better at reading the Bible? Or people come and say, Pastor, I don't know that I pray. I don't know that I'm really good at prayer. I, 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 maybe you could help me have a better strategy for prayer. Now, listen. I want you to be better at reading the Bible, and I want you to get better at prayer. But ultimately, the problem isn't that we don't do it well enough. The problem is that we don't do it consistently enough. I would rather you be a lousy Bible reader, but do it every day, and you're going to benefit. I would rather you be a lousy prayer, but pray all day every day. And you're going to benefit from it. It's consistency. How do you grow? How do you grow fruit? Uh, it's not because you have the absolute perfect soil and you dip the plant in it for five minutes and then there's fruit. No, it's that you leave the plant there. And over time, with consistency, it, it, it grows. The fruit of the Spirit ripens gradually through uh, cultivation. It's not through a commitment as much it is, as it is consistent cultivation. One more thing I want you to see about the fruit of the Spirit is that the fruit of the Spirit glorifies God and authenticates believers. Now, I want to read one last verse from John chapter 15, and this is connected back with what we've been studying here in Galatians 5, but listen to this. Verse 8 says, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. What he tells us is that the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians chapter 5 is like a gauge. It, it, it's, uh, 
It's like a gauge that gives us information. Like you have a gauge in your car that tells you how much fuel is left in your tank. You have a gauge on your oven that tells you the temperature uh, that, uh, that exists inside the oven. It's, a gauge is, is some meter that gives you some information. And so the fruit of the Spirit, according to John 15, 8, is a gauge that tells two things. It says one thing to you or to me, and it says another thing to the world. What does it say to us? What is our fruit? What is my fruit, the existence of the fruit of the Spirit in my life, what does it say to me? It informs me how closely I am abiding in Christ. Can I just be honest with you? Uh, The fruit of Noel, the fruit of me, is not love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. That's No. When I exhibit that fruit, it's because I'm connected well to the vine. Left to my own devices, I don't have any of that. It's not the fruit of me, it's the fruit of the Spirit. A couple of days ago, I was, um, well, we were talking, I was having sort of a family talk. Uh, my oldest daughter was on, on speakerphone. She's uh, still at her university in South Carolina. My other two daughters and my wife and myself were sitting in the living room. And we were talking about things, and my oldest daughter called me out on something. And she called me out about my attitude about something that I had had in, in the last year or so, I suppose. And uh, my first thought uh, was to defend myself, I thought. That is not true of me. I don't have that attitude. But before I said anything, I realized that, no, I, I, I have had that attitude. But then I, I, then I thought, well, that's because of the circumstances. My, my bad attitude about this has been because of some circumstances. But then the Lord stopped me again. No, it's, it's not circumstances. No, when I'm not abiding closely with Christ, I have a bad attitude. I don't have love and joy and peace and patience. And goodness. See, the fruit of the Spirit for me I can look into my life and I can gauge how closely I'm walking with the Lord. That's why he says in John 15, 8, that it it is a proof of of your abiding in Christ. So it is a gauge for us. It is also a gauge for the world because it tells the world of the goodness of God. When we live in this world and we are people of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness. That is so unnatural. People take notice of it, and they take notice of our God. What a good God those people must serve. And when we don't have the fruit of the Spirit, then, then the opposite is true. I thought about some fruits as I was putting this together. Uh, I thought about crab apples. You know what a crab apple is? It's sour and distasteful. I thought about an unripe banana. You ever eaten a a green banana? It's bland and there's no sweetness there. It's it's not good. And then I thought about my favorite fruit, a perfectly ripe Georgia peach. And it's got to be just perfectly ripe. But to bite into that peach and, and it is so sweet and it's so satisfying. And so I thought about those three fruits. I think there are times when we're all crab apples, right? I mean, don't, don't think about the people sitting in the room with you. You too. There are sometimes 
we're, we're crab apples. There's sometimes we are unripened bananas. But if we will be uh, perfectly ripe peach, peaches, uh, then that, that brings glory and honor to, to the Father. So, so Jesus says it that way in John 15, 8. Paul says, it, says the same thing a different way in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says we are the fragrance of Christ. Everywhere we go, we leave behind us uh, the fragrance of Christ. We need to embrace the fruit of the Spirit because that's the perfect life. We need to embrace the fruit of the Spirit because that's what God desires for us. But we need to embrace the fruit of the Spirit because that advertises the goodness of our God. You know, we are living in a pretty difficult time, just um, evident by the fact that you're watching this from your, from your home. Uh, there's much fear and suffering and uncertainty. Uh, I have read that there are record high levels of emotional strain that people are going through. Of course, these are tenuous times. Uh, but this passage, Galatians 5.23, gives us hope. The fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of my circumstances or of the pandemic or of my my job situation or of the stock market or any of those things, but the fruit of the Spirit. I can experience love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, faithfulness. I think I left that out. We can know those things if we will abide with Christ, if we will remain with Christ We'll have the sweet fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And so I challenge you today, if you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, it has to start there. You'll never find the fruit apart from Christ. If you do know Christ as your Savior, then cultivate the soil. Be consistent and experience the sweet fruit. If you would like to make a decision this morning, or if there's just some way we can pray and help you through this, just go to fbcnac.org slash connect. And there's a, there's a card there that you can fill out online. And just give us some information. And there's a place where you can indicate that you, had, you have a question or you've made a decision. And that'll come very quickly to one of our ministers, to myself or, or Mark, our associate pastor. And we'll be quick to get back with you and uh, help you in, in, this, uh, in this journey. Let me pray. Father, thank you. Uh, that you bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. I'm so thankful that it's not up to me, but I'm thankful that it can be real. Help us to be people uh, that because of our connection with you, bear the fruit of the Spirit every single day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.